All right. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. My name is Miguel Torres. I'm your host. And our special guest is Jared Smith. Jared is an active duty U.S. Navy commander with expertise in the supply chain and logistics area. He's got 19 years in the military active duty, and he is obviously starting to strategize about how to transition into civilian life, taking the uniform off. He's got a family, four children, ages 12, 11, seven, and five. And he started a, a business called the Liberty Accelerator Program. So we're gonna to talk to Jared today about what made him want to join the military, why he felt the need to launch the Liberty Accelerator Program, his thoughts on medicinal cannabis for veterans, and what he believes about this life. Oh yeah, there's one other thing. Jared is a Christian. I forgot to add that in. Jared is a Christian. So I got an idea where he's going to go, but that's cool. We're going to talk about it anyway. All right. So Jared, how are you doing today? I'm great, Miguel. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for being here. So 19 years, active duty, U.S. Navy commander. I just retired from the U.S. Coast Guard in March of 2021 as a lieutenant commander. And it is weird getting out, man. <laughs> and so... Uh, it's, 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 it's interesting. It's interesting. And when I saw you, I saw your profile on a profile on a, a social media platform, I was like, you know what I mean? Let me reach out to him and see what, see what this thing is all about here. And, and uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. So what made you want to join the military? Cause this is something that I find myself answering this question when people, you know, I have a, mar- I have a medical marijuana card. And when I go to the dispensary and, and, uh, and they offer a veteran discount, I show them my ID and they say, oh, thank you for your service. And, and, and that's really nice. And then I say, you're welcome. No problem. I volunteered. Nobody made me do it. <laughs> but then they ask me why I joined. That, I'm finding myself answering that question a bit more than I thought. So that's what I'm really? going to ask you, Jared. What do you think, man? Why did you, why did you join the U.S. military? Well, 9-11. Okay. That was it? That was the catalyst? 9-11 brought me into service. Yeah. Okay, so what about 9-11 did that, though? Because there's a lot of people that, that had the same, they can have the same answer, but when you, when you get down a little lower, those, some of those motivations are different. And it's not, it's not a bad motivation, but some people, like, like for me, I, growing up, a lot of military and cop stuff was pointed, entertainment things were pointed at males especially young males. And this still happens today. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was always a fascination to join the military. And when I finished my undergraduate at the University of Texas in Brownsville, I, I started exploring all the branches again. I found myself going back to that. You know what I mean? So how old were you when you joined? Oh, let's see. 22, I guess. And We'll, we'll rewind a few years to high school and I, I considered joining the Navy then. I don't even know what I was going to go in to the service and do, um, but I kind of caught the enlisted recruiter in a, in a lie uh, during my senior year in high school. So that turned me off to them. Um, obviously, as our culture kind of uh, encourages, I went off to college and um, figured out you know, the college scene there for a few years. Um, I was running a small bit seasonal business at the time that was keeping me funded through school to where I didn't have to truly have a, a job during the semesters. I was making enough money in that seasonal business to carry me through. And you're you know, going full-time semester. Student. So full-time, full-time student, student. Yep. full-time business. That's pretty cool. No, not a full time. Well, it was a, well, a se- it was se- seasonal business. Okay. So yeah. yeah. But when it was seasonal, you were, you were, you were I was full time. Yeah. yeah exactly. on, into the business. Right. The, um, nine 11 happened. I went to the recruiting office country been attacked. Right. So, yeah. you know, I, I felt a, a call to, to, to stand up and, and go serve the nation like I had previously felt, you know, back in high school. Um, they they said, hey, there's this program where you can stay in school, join the Navy now, finish your degree, and then go commission. And I'm like, well, that sounds like a great deal. Uh, so I went that I went that route. 
um, when I was, I was at Texas A&M at the time. So they sent me off to officer candidate school, Pensacola, Florida, um, headed to the submarine force was kind of the track I was on with the science background. They said that'd be a good, a good spot for me. Uh, looking back, those were jobs that are really hard to fill and they need, but needed bodies <laughs> to, to go that route. You know so mean, man. It's in the, yeah, the, so the naivete of entering the military. It's, it's, you start to figure some of it out after you get in. And I think that's kind of the way it is with any organization too, for most of them. Yeah. But it's a little different sometimes when you got to. Well, those, yeah, those career military families, though, they they have all the insight. So those are the people that the newbies like me should should really team up with early on to try to yeah. get as much as much insight as possible. I did not do that. However, I figured it out as I went over the last 18 years or so. Um, and here we are. So that's 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 what brought me into the service. Um if you ask why did you stick around, that's a that's a much a much different answer. Well, let's and do one, that. We'll, yeah, one. Well, we'll get in. Maybe we'll get into that a little later. All right. Yeah, I'll tie I'll tie it into to the other discussion topics that we're gonna have. All right. All right. So, um, the Liberty Accelerator Program. What's that all about, man? So it's not about transition, believe it or not. No. Okay. It's about what I refer to as military family readiness. All right. Because what's and certain? What readiness. Now, when you say military family readiness, what kind of readiness are you talking about? So we typically think of, of like the fleet and family readiness centers or the base readiness centers as equipping families to be ready for the service members deployment. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, yeah. it's, it's military focused. What I say military family readiness is, is it's family focused. Not only on the service members deployments, but on that family's inevitable last day on active duty to be fully ready for that whenever it happens with or without the service member. Right. Cause we're in the line of work that necessitates such an approach to military family readiness. And I think we're falling way short at all ranks at all levels um, and making sure our families are ready for that last day on active duty. Now you've fallen short. What, what areas, where do you, what areas do you see the, that the family military families falling short? Not that the military family's falling short, the readiness for the readiness. the readiness services, right? The services that that we are giving, given, right? The programs that exist to ensure military families. I don't think I've done, and that's that's where the Liberty Accelerator program comes from. And I can take it across the breadth of of of, of topic areas. I'm just not sure. I'm not so sure how how deep you want to go into any particular one. I'll tell you what, let's start at, let's start at the surface of this one. Let's start at um, which one, which one of these topics about the military readiness, the comprehensive approach to family military readiness that you're talking about. I may not be saying exactly the way you're thinking of it, but that that's with this kind of the way I'm thinking of it. You're talking about a comprehensive approach to this, where it's not just for the deployment. It's also for when that member takes the uniform off and is no longer in the military active duty or a reserve. So or what made, or that, when they don't or when they don't come home from an or, deployment. So what made you what what did you see that made you go in that direction? So during my lieutenant commander, pay grade 04 mm -hmm. years or young lieutenant commander years, I had a collateral duties at a specific assignment. One was a local transition assistance program coordinator where I oversaw or helped. 10 officers, five junior officers, 03 pay grade who had failed to select to the next rank, and then five senior officers, commanders and captains, 05, 06 pay grades, get out of service. Five were retiring, five were separating for failure to select to the next pay grade. Nine out of those 10 situations were complete train wrecks, best I could tell. All right, I was only concerned with my duties as checking the admin blocks to ensure that they cleared admin and medical processing per the regulations that exist to make sure that the government side of that transaction is tied off with a night a nice neat little bow yeah right there's a whole other there's a whole other aspect that i'm sure you experienced over the last two years um that the service member is kind of on their own to figure out and or at the mercy of these 42,000 vso's 
and the government programs that exist to assist military families in leaving the pattern or departing the pattern. Uh, and I think they're falling way short because we are, we as military families are waiting and reacting to that inevitable last day on active duty instead of intentionally and formatively planning for it from the earliest days in service. So I'll pause there for questions on any uh, of that. That's good. So, uh, so what kind of uh, things do you want to help them prepare for? Well, let's talk health and the medical system yes, first off. Good. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to link it directly to transition processing because every military service member will inevitably have the opportunity to go through a veterans affairs disability compensation exam to get a disability compensation rating. Yeah. In order for that to be an effective event for that family, the medical record needs to be tight, which means mindful management of said medical records, both mental and I don't know the right terminology, physical, right? Yeah. Aches and pains in the, on the body, not the mind, right? We need to yeah. know how to manage that stuff from the earliest days in service. We need to know how to utilize our medical system in order to ensure peak holistic health throughout service time and not just try to document the ailments at the end, right? So that we are giving the country our all and, and more importantly, giving our families our all day in and day out. So I'll pause there. Well, that's good because health is huge. <clears throat> health is very huge. And while I was in the service, I saw it a lot more because you still kind of connected to the people that when they retire, they come back to serve as a civilian or, or some other capacity as a contractor on a government contract. So you see a lot of the faces again, right? And um, I just noticed that there's a lot of families that fell apart when they when the service member male or female retired and that was sad that that was really discouraging to see because that should be like a really celebratory moment and and you just yeah it is i saw too many families why wow. families going through a lot of hard times why is that well, I think, you know, I don't know all the cases, right? I don't know. Like some of them, they're just say, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Yeah, yeah, they got a divorce or so-and-so, you know, alcoholic DUI and they lost all their job, you know, stuff like that. And you're just kind of like, golly. So my thought, <clears throat> my thought on that, and I'm not saying this is like the, the whole answer to it, but I definitely think that a lot of people, the camaraderie, you can get a lot of camaraderie from a lot of different things, Right. And like all organizations, the military especially so, they want you to identify your identity with the organization. They right. want you all in, right? They want you it's all part, in. It's part of the trap. Correct. Well, you know, this is this I've been thinking about this a lot. So I heard you say you use the word trap, and that's where I'm like, I I, I get why it can feel like a trap. For me, it wasn't a trap. I knew it was coming. I knew that I was going to take this uniform off and that I was going to have to start thinking yeah. differently because I'm not in that uniform thinking within that box anymore. But that's just it. What's we it? all okay. know that every military family is going to leave one day. But I think now here's the thing, accepting it, knowing it that's and a different discussion. Exactly. Different well, discussion. they're very closely related and different. They are, but it's, it's a different discussion. It's the same discussion, same discussion, mm -hmm. just if that's just a, yeah deeper point of whether or not you can because i've seen people i've seen people just like you said these were senior officers that that uh that didn't promote so they're they're getting kicked out yeah. and they got one more year they actually got a little less than a year so they got yeah. about like eight nine months and i've seen people overwhelm themselves with work to try to get those eight and nine months to mean something that'll kick them over that bump where they can they get promoted and they make themselves miserable and they don't and they, they don't lean into their transition that so that's it lends to a whole i think you know this is where i'm getting to right so yeah so then they get to this point where they're like okay i have just totally wasted my whole being like not wasted i shouldn't say i've put my whole being into this for the next eight or nine months family suffering they're working long nights and they're trying to make they're trying to make probably like close to two decades or a little bit more they're trying to make up for it in eight or nine months and then they don't get selected 
but they feel like they believe that they've done everything they've been told to do. Yep. You know, when that, when the, when the detailer, when the assignment officer says you're missing yep. X, Y, and Z. Now, one thing for the listeners, um, promotion boards are, are, they're sworn to secrecy. And I understand that not a problem, but uh, it's just, so that I think it's more, I, I do think it's more psychological and spiritual. The physical part is most definitely there. But I think a lot of the times people have a hard time separating because of psychological and spiritual. It's, it's, it's a, I think it's a, a mental and behavioral health yeah. discussion for, for many that, that never gets had. Okay. I agree. I completely agree with you, man. So what are, what are your thoughts on that? And, and are you taking an angle to that with the, the Liberty Accelerator program? Absolutely. It's huge. Well, tell me about it. Come on, Jared. We got, you got the mic, man. Go ahead. A little, a little history. So during that same tour as a junior lieutenant commander, um, not only did I fill the role as a transition assistance program officer, I also filled the road as a casualty assistance calls officer and went on one case as a, as a backup or as the assistant Keiko. Um, fortunately or unfortunately, Keiko I did not. Keiko, I did not so I know we were both military, but Keiko yeah. is going to explain what Keiko is. A casualty assistance calls officer, CACO is the acronym for it, basically notifies next of kin family members when a service member has passed on. Yep. Not only that, that's just the first of, a, of, of what could turn into a six, nine or 12 month or even longer duty where that officer is actually helping the surviving family members process and transition out of the Navy and get all the quote benefits unquote that DOD and the government offers them um, as, as, as surviving family members. So what, what approach do you, are you, uh, how are you, how are you approaching it with the Liberty Accelerator program? Yeah. So basically a, a quick, um, quick story. So as a junior 04, um, I had deployed, I guess that was my fifth deployment unexpectedly went to Bahrain for six months and I had come back from that assignment and wound up having some, having some trouble, uh, at, at my command. Then, uh, uh, an officer had uh, accused me of, um, harassment through, through, through the workplace with respect to just, just work, 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 work type stuff. And my, you know, uh, I guess it was a maybe before I left on that deployment or shortly after I got back, my commanding officer had asked me if I had ever heard of the term EQ or emotional quotient, right? Or emotional intelligence. And, you know, I, you know, I said, I said, yeah, I'd heard of it. I studied it in my MBA program, but I hadn't thought much else about it. Anyways, to make a long story short, out of the result of that, of that little tiff that, that I had with a, a colleague um, that wound up, you know, making it to the XO and CEO's desk. I wound up so-called staying flat on my next fitness report. And therefore I thought that was going to result in my not selecting for promotion to 05. Right. Because I didn't, I wasn't progressing, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, that sent me into a, into some really dark places, right. Suicidal thoughts, uh, depression, anxiety, um, it wasn't good. And it resulted from a couple of things I would find out a few years later, but at the time, my whole identity, like you started out with was so tied up in promotion and Naval officer and, you know, um, what do we call it? The, oh man, I can't even remember now. It slipped my mind. The sustained superior performance. Oh, right? yeah. I don't know if the coast, I don't know if the coast guard uses that for, promotion eligibility or not but sustained superior performance is what we say um so anyhow that that happened um i was uh, i saw behavioral health i, I kind of got my mind right again the 2017 time frame and then i tra transferred out to a submarine force pacific fleet and started working as an operational planner on that staff interfacing with the pacific fleet staff and phenomenal tour but another two years goes by I do select for 05, pin on commander before going to the National Defense University's Dwight D. Eisenhower School, where they were really big on executive self-care, right, with respect to 
making sure that you're taking care of yourself so that you can then take care of your people and do a great, do a great job. Well, after three visits to the primary care physician asking for a sleep study referral, I finally got it as a Navy commander, 05 rank, three visits to the primary care physician to get authorization to go out in town for a sleep study. Well, guess what happens in January, February time frame of 2020? I know exactly what happened because I, yeah. What, what happened? Pan, the lockdown across the United States began in uh, February we're not, and March. We're not there yet. Oh, we're no, not there? I get, my, I get my sleep apnea diagnosis. Oh, you did get it. So you didn't, yes. season, it wasn't held up because of the pandemic? No, no, I got in before that. So okay, I got gotcha. my sleep apnea diagnosis, right? And then I got my CPAP machine a few weeks later. And then come April, May time frame, I finally gotten my rest back, which got my, my mind back, which got my health back. And I look back over that entire previous decade, just about, and I, I truly believe that it was the submarine tour on the 18 hour days, the 60% op tempo that my unit out of Guam was on that probably contributed to my, my sleep problems, right? Now the medical community is not going to ever admit to that. The submarine force community does not test for sleep apnea as submariners leave their tours of duty and, or as they leave the service. And the question I have is why, and I haven't taken the time or carved out the capacity for me to dive down that rabbit hole, but that's what I'm going to run down uh, once I leave the service and the Liberty Accelerator program is is firing on all cylinders because I'm curious. Um, But I think our, our health is a significant part of a lot of the struggles that active duty service members, as well as military families are having not only during their transition battles um, when they're fighting to get their Liberty back at the end of their service time, but throughout military service time. Uh, And I think it's because we are focused on taking care of our people, assuming that our leaders are taking care of us. And many are with respect to promotion eligibility, but it stops there. That's part of the trap. I'll pause there for you to comment on that and tell us which way you want to go with this discussion because it can go all over and it can go for hours. Well, I'll tell you what, I want to know more about the Liberty Accelerator program. Like, what is it that you want people to know about it? Yeah, the Liberty Accelerator program is not about transition because uh, the words we use, they matter. The Liberty Accelerator yeah. program is about liberty and about accelerating faster toward liberty and being ready for it whenever that inevitable last day on active duty arrives. And it takes intentional, informed planning from the earliest days in service in order to be ready for that time for that time period. So your target audience is military personnel. Military families, spouses and service members. That's right. And what are you offering them with this program? I'm offering them the same structure that we are accustomed to from U.S. military work and organizations, but with an extremely different end goal of not separation or retirement, but liberty and freedom and the optionality to, to do what they want to do with their lives beyond uniform service. So when you say liberty and freedom, how what, what does that encompass? The ability to do what we want, when we want, with whom we want, for as long as we want, without a consideration of, of cost. Okay, so it's a lot of financial freedom then is kind of what, we, is what I'm thinking. Financial freedom is a huge part of it, but it's not the only part of it. Health freedom is important too, especially mental health. So how do, what are you offering on those two areas to uh, folks that participate in the program for the, for the financial side and the, and the health side. So we, we start out, there's a, there's a basic structure, a basic model, which I, I have drawn out and is out there in the socials and cyberspace, right? But it's a, it's a simple three-tier model of, of health, self, and wealth. I talk about those pillars, health, self, and wealth, all sitting on a sturdy foundation of relationships. Because we can have relationships throughout service time built of sand, or we can build them out of concrete intentionally all along during our service time, right? Same with the spouses and their military spouses networks, right? Um, we, we, we frame it up like this to begin thinking about that last day on active duty and intentionally planning for that, right? All along, 
not reacting to it at the end or reacting to being ready for a deployment right when it comes along. If we've got our health straight and our medical records are tight, if we know who we are and what we offer this world beyond the rank weapons platform and service branch, that's a sense of self that we need beyond uniform service. And I argue during it too, right? So that's the health pillar and the self pillar. And then we jump to the wealth pillar next. And wealth isn't about, about currency and savings and our thrift savings plans accounts. That's what Wall Street and uh, the government has told us it is, yeah. right? But it's not about that. It's about time freedom first. Second, the wealth is about our knowledge, imagination, and experience that allows us to go solve problems for other people in this world. That's second. Then once you clarify that those two are the actual true wealth ideas that we need to be thinking about, then we can start talking about assets, liabilities, uh, savings, cash flow, and all the other more traditional topics um, that surround the, the matter of wealth today. And then all three of those obviously are sitting on that foundation of relationships um, from the familial relationships to our work colleagues, to friends, family, et cetera. So I'll pause there. Well, that's good. That's, that's You got the foundation built out. So do you customize your packages for whether it's a, a, a member that's exiting after a, after four years, 10 years or retirement? Is that kind of the way you approach it? It's like when, 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 so when a member at any market, I, I, and, and again, I'm not trying to, to, to confuse it with the transition thing, but I'm thinking of when somebody comes to you and says, yeah, I'm at year five and I want to participate in this program. What I'd imagine it look a little bit different for that person who's at year five than somebody at year, right? So what, here's what the, the thing. Yeah, here's the thing. We, we, our culture forces us to group people into groups. I know. My demographics my, are demographics point, are the way of management. Yeah. I, my point is this. Too. <laughs> my my point is this. Every military family is unique. Yeah. So we start with asking questions, whereas most of all of these other service providers in the transition landscape start by giving advice on how to set up a LinkedIn profile how to write a resume, how yeah. to save for retirement, how to do this, how to do that. We're different. We ask questions. We, we give a battery of questions to the military family to know who they want to be and know what they want to do beyond uniform service. Once they fill that out, then we decide, okay, this family needs X, Y, and Z services right now because they're really hurting in this spot. This, this is where their problems are. And then we lay out a roadmap. I call it the transition superhighway to their liberty and freedom beyond the rank, right? And it, de- and it depends on if somebody has been in for two years or 28, it's different for everybody. Yeah. But what's not different is they've got me sitting in their passenger seat saying, Hey, here's the map. You've got the compass and chart. Where do you want to go? I'm going to help get you there. That's cool. That's cool, man. So, um, <clears throat> You're a commander, 19 years. You got less than a year before you're eligible to retire. Correct. What are you thinking, man? Oh, I've got all kinds of plans, man. So I just yeah? I just yeah. finished I just finished my book. It's available this week. Go ahead, read it. What's the title of it? Avoiding each and every military veteran's disadvantage. How to overcome the lies a military family believes to get our freedom back. And where can people get this book, man? Oh, it's on Amazon, and then it'll be available through other distribution um, channels in the in the weeks and months ahead. I actually accelerated its public publication from Memorial Day next year to Veterans Day this year uh, because of the urgency of of the economic environment that we're in, right as on. well as the the number of military families that continue to leave military service. And it's uh it's it's all important knowledge. I wish I would have had 15 years ago, if not longer. Because I'd so, be in a different position today had I had I known it then. Well, let me ask you this: What do you see when you said military military members and families exiting the service? At, do you say at higher rates? Maybe I'm getting I'm getting some inside baseball from a couple of of people that are in the this transition arena that are saying, anyways, officers are are leaving over the the the, the vaccine mandate. Um. So yeah, it could be, right? We'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, it's playing out in a lot of companies in, in military or government organizations right now. Um, 
It's a cool thing. It's a cool thing what you're doing. I want to get, I want to get, let's, let's, let's peel back one more layer, man. Let's take another, let's peel back one more layer and get some, get more granularity on what it is. So say here I am, I'm at, I'm at the 10 year mark. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to stay in because a lot of people that 10 year mark is, is where a lot of people sometimes jump out. They're wondering if they can do it for another decade or not. And here's a funny thing. So uh, I was in Virginia. We were living there. It was my last tour. And uh, I've got my sons at a athletic extracurricular, you know, uh, training event thing, you know, weekly thing. And I'm talking with a guy. <clears throat> he's a uh, aviation. He's in aviation. And uh, he was looking to get out at year 14, man. 14 okay. years in, six years away from a pension. And he was six like, years, I can't take six, it anymore. Six years of opportunity cost too. And I agree. Now, now this is, this is the hard thing though. And this is, this is where <laughs> I was kind of like, wow. And I was like, dude, you're so close. You're like, you're more, you're, you're three, you're almost three quarters of the way there. Why age would you make that? Too. What's that? Age depends too. Cause age. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, he wasn't, he was a, he was a young guy, but here's what he had. Here's what his answer was. He was like, during the Obama administration, they kept us really busy. And then during the Trump administration, it was even busier. So they're looking at, you know, they're looking at deployments and what they're, when their definition of busy is like, you go on a deployment and then you come home and you're supposed to be home, but they're deploying you domestically all over the place while you're supposed to be home. And that's what was running him ragged is that he had no, he, he, they were getting everything out of him that they could get to the as, point where three quarters, of, three quarters of the way to a, a, a career, finishing a career, he's like, I can't take it anymore. Yeah. And that one surprised me big time. So I, I can see you nodding your head like, yeah, this stuff sounds very familiar. It was, what, it was me. Okay. So at that, for, let me give you an example. If there's a guy like the one I just described. And he's like, I can't take it anymore. Um, what kind of things would you be looking at to help him in life period? Not, not necessarily stay in the service, but just in life yeah. period. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what basically, my, the, way, the way the Liberty Accelerator program process works is we, we jump on a 15-minute reconnaissance call where I can know them, they get to know me, see if we work well together. If so, then we move to a strategy call. And both of those questionnaires for the 50 minute recon call and the 60 minute strategy call. I asked them a battery of questions, more questions on the 60 minute call or before the 60 minute call than on the and before the 15 minute call. But I asked them a battery of questions around that, that model that I, I built health, self, wealth and relationships, right? Cause yeah. that will show me insights into where, where they are, what problems they have on their mind and equip me with, the ability to try to point them in a direction or two to help them go faster toward liberty, right? Yeah, because obviously this guy, this guy is obviously thinking the path that I'm on right now, the career I have right now, isn't getting me there. Yep. So that's why he was ready to get out. Yeah. I, was, I was just really surprised. I was, Man, because you do, I mean, in, when you live in areas where there's a lot of military, you run into a lot of military people. Mm-hmm. You like, do. And, and a lot of people are connected to it, whether it's by contract, by family or by themselves. And right. it's, it's, a, it's an interesting time for the military as well. So I think it's cool what you're doing, man. You're, you're not, you're going for a comprehensive approach. And Right. So it's basically comes down to, to this, Miguel. We apply the ideas of programs and projects to our weapons systems. We apply deployment cycles to our weapons systems. All I've done as an operational planner is taken these ideas and tools that we've used on submarines, ships, army brigades or whatever, and apply them to the most important weapon system to take care of our people. Yeah, that weapon system being the military family. That's cool, man. We're all in a life cycle, right? But we're yeah. not taking care of our people. Not like I think we should be taking care of them anyway. 
And I feel obligated to share what I stumbled across with everyone that, that is willing to open and listen to, to a different perspective um, so that we are equipped to add value to society once we return to her and not be a burden upon it. Because God knows today we face some of the most challenging times that, that this nation has ever faced. And we need the military veteran population and their spouses to be able to shoulder the burden because there's some serious domestic threats around us right now. And we need strong, motivated patriots to stand up to that. Let me ask you about this. We were talking about veterans and you are obviously on the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. Yes. Your, th your thoughts on medicinal cannabis for veterans. Absolutely. Yeah. Big Pharma is killing us. Big Pharma you, Corporation is killing us. And what do you what do you see in the, that? What are you observing about that that makes you say that? You know what I mean? I experienced it myself during okay. during the during my during my dark times a few years ago with the sleep troubles and the suicidal tendencies. They started pushing pharma's into me to help with a lot of that, right? And 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 I don't I don't like where I went during that journey. Um, the, the whole marijuana thing became an issue in the early 30s, as I understand it, because of a tiff between a congressman and a, a Mexican politician. Um, big Pharma, via their corporate lobbying, has been able to position themselves well for a great business model. And we're seeing that playing out before our eyes today, right? Yeah. So the, 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 the corporations, by law, must produce profits for their shareholders, and therefore, a corporation is going to do everything in their power in order to maximize those profits, because by law, that's what they're required to do, right? Yeah. So yeah. we're, I think the whole CBD oils and cannabis space, that entire arena is, um, is ripe for helping take care of our people, but it's a matter of getting through the, getting through the bureaucracies that are in place and the the big, the, the big powers that that have these systems in place to perpetuate the problem, um, and unless individuals like us stand up and 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 push back and say no, then it's not going to change. So yeah, I'm a huge I'm a huge advocate for all natural healing for a lot of these problems uh, that we have that we have had from decades of war, and um, I'm all for it. Right on, man. Have you, have you, uh, so I began researching it too before I got out because it started going, these, these, I saw all these states starting to legalize medicinal and recreational. And well, I tell you, it's been, it's been quite a 21st century, man. Like this, the 21st century has just been pretty wild. And, uh, yes. and, and when I, when I saw all these things, I started doing some research. Have you looked, have you looked into some of the folks that, that are, that are, have you thought about maybe applying that aspect of cannabis to the Liberty Accelerator program or just as, so, an option, as a tool? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So the way the Liberty Accelerator program works is, is I, I affiliate with other professionals and experts who offer specific services within those categories of health, self, wealth, even relationships, because uh, I'm not an expert in any of those. And I don't I don't want to be an expert in any of those. Right. I want to be kind of a life coach or a guide. And, and bring, bring some critical questions to the family's problems to give them options, both for, 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 for free monetarily and, and at cost, um, to equip them with the knowledge, information, and resources they need when they need them so that they can go faster, right? And I absolutely see a place for the cannabis uh, solutions in that health and self discussion. And yeah. perhaps even wealth too, if somebody wants to go into that market, right? I'll tell you, be a producer or supply chain or quality assurance or whatever, right? So, I mean, the, the, yeah. the, the, the jobs in that arena um, seem to me could be lucrative. Uh, those with entrepreneurial spirits may have, you know, all kinds of potential in that arena. So absolutely. I mean, across the board, yes, I think there's plenty, plenty of opportunity there. 
Right on, right on. I wasn't sure how you're going to answer that one. So I was very happy, you know, if, if you disagreed, <laughs> I'd be like, that's cool too, Jared, but it's nice to see, it's nice to see <laughs> and hear people, military people say, yeah, this will help veterans because, and then you said it yourself, you went through it. You lived it where it's like the pharma, the pharma is pumping too much into you. And you, and, and without, without going into the details, your, 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 what you said was, was, I think it's pretty profound. You said, I did not like where it took me. In other words, it was not taking me in the direction as advertised. I'm not feeling better. This is, this is not the answer for me. And that is, that is, uh, that's the main, the, the two reasons why I do this podcast are because there, there have been a lot of abuses done in the name of Christ, and there have been a lot of abuses done in the name of cannabis. And, and I believe that Christ is the maker of cannabis. A human being did not fabricate that plant and make it populate around the world. It's part of creation. And that's the way yes, I sir. do it too. Love that. So let me ask you this. Were you raised with a worldview or religion, faith, no faith when you were growing up? It's complicated. My, my, my wife, I'm, I'm sorry. My, um, my mom was, uh, Methodist and Baptist churches while I was growing up. My dad was never really, really into it much. Uh, he'd attend church, but that was, that was about it. Um, my wife though, uh, cradle Catholic, uh, her, her whole entire side of her family, Catholicism. Uh, I joined the Catholic church in 2009 after having our first child and promising to raise, my son Catholic. And I thought that'd be hard to do if I didn't know what the Catholic faith was all about. Yeah. So I joined, the, <laughs> I joined the Catholic church in 2009 and uh, just ama amazing journey uh, in Catholicism. There's just so much to, to, to learn and, and study and continue to grow with. And I guess I like the structure because I'm in the military and I've had the military structure for a while, but the structure of how they, how everything is set up. It just, it, it appeals to me. Okay. Um, you know, growing, growing with the saints, so to speak, never gets old. There's, there's always a saint to, to learn something about. This is the year of St. Joseph actually. So it's a big push this year to, to learn about, think about St. Joseph quite a bit. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's good. I, I, I like it. So will you, will you, uh, what were you believing before 2000? Like before you, before you had your child, before you were married and before you had your first child, like, what were you believing about life? Like, was, was this, was this life? It, what, what were you believing about life? Like destiny, purpose, meaning. I was in my early to mid twenties and I was thinking about, you know, the next day. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about it. <laughs> you can see the smile on your face. I can see the look at your face. And I'm like thinking, I was doing the same thing, Jared. I was like, where are we going to party this weekend? Where are we going to, you know, what I mean? well, it's Friday. Let's, you know, the work days, the work week's done. Yeah. I mean, I was all in, I was all consumed by the culture and not knowing any different, right? Get a job, right. save for retirement, the same old, the same old lies we've been told for all these years. Um, so, yeah. You know, that was about it. My, it's funny when I was young, I, I'd started that that business at leaving high school, and a friend of mine's dad, who was a small businessman in town, met board, you know, a bank board member, owned a couple of apartment complexes, had a car wash, had a grocery store. Right, he he was diversified in his cash flow holdings, and he told me when I was sixteen or seventeen, Jared, make sure you make make sure you make your money work for you, and. You know, looking back and hearing and hearing those words now, I know exactly what he was talking about. But from, you know, me busting my hump, managing a retail business uh, through working in the military for the last 19 years, I, I didn't know what that meant. <clears throat> and today I, I know exactly what it means. And the Liberty Accelerator Program and the book I just wrote equips the military family with that knowledge now so that they can make sure that their money starts working for them much sooner in service. And so they can be diversified and prepared for that inevitable last day on active duty. So they've got the optionality that they need in order to take and enjoy that liberty that they sacrifice so much for. So it's personal for me. It's a, it's a very, um, it's a very urgent 
and serious message that I want no senior leader to keep as a secret. Right on. So you said something that caught my ear and this is what I've been kind of picking up on. But when you said it, I was like, okay, I, I think I was right. Um, you said, get a job, save money for retirement, retire. And that's it. Like that's, that's kind of, that's been, we'll, we'll, we'll go to the 20th century and even the beginning of the 21st century. That was the prescribed model for many in the masses. For the sheeple. That's right. Well, you know, I know I, I hear the term sheeple, man. <laughs> I get it. It's the military thing too. You know, you got the sheep dog and the sheep and all that kind of it stuff. Is. But man, I tell you, that I don't want to call it a trap completely because I've seen people and I've seen generations improve through that model. I literally have. I'm not saying it's the best model. I'm not saying it's, it's not, I'm not saying it's even or anything. I'm not saying that there is, there isn't a disparity between the laborer yeah. and the owner. And I get where both are coming from. The owner's like, well, I'm providing all this stuff. And this is what we're, this is where I think the, uh, our nation is at right now. Right. It's, it is the, the chapter hasn't closed precisely. Yet. It's just, it's like, we're, that's exactly where we're at right now. Right. So, right. <clears throat> When you think of it, and you think of the, the, the template from the 20th, 20th century, the beginning of the 21st century, what type of template would you like to replace it with? You see what I'm saying? And I think that's, you, you're viewing, I can tell you're viewing this thing a certain way. And I'm like, he's got a vision for this. He's not telling me everything about this vision, but I'm trying to get a better idea of what this vision is here. So that that is that is the question, man. It's like, what would you want it to look like? What would you, or, or what is it that you'd want to see more? Like if there's a, if there's a template and I'm not saying like step-by-step, step. I'm not saying you have to tell somebody how to walk, but Hey, this direct walking in this direction, you might find better than walking in the 20th century direction. Let's bring Jesus back into this. Why don't we? Let's do it. Come on, man. This is your question to answer. Come on. To give a man a fish or teach a man to fish. Idea, right? Yeah. What have we got with single sources of income and jobs? I'm following it. Yeah. You tell me though. You tell me. What do you see? Well, it's we're we're giving people fish and they're completely dependent on those fish. Right. So you're without saying, un, go, go ahead. ahead. No, actually, without please, fully please. understanding the systems that we have grown up and are living and working in, we're never going to, one, get into the mindset of being able to fish on our own. And two, we're at the mercy of the systems and the job that's been given to us. There's no liberty or freedom in that. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying there. I can understand it. I can understand it. So it sounds like you're going toward, like you really are, are saying there's a lot of people out there that have entrepreneurial spirits, but aren't walking in that direction for a number of reasons. I had it before I joined the service. Yeah. It got beat out. It got beat way down inside of me. I'm one of the lucky few that found it again a few years out from my last day on active duty. I think it's in all of us. There's a too. line and there's a line deep down inside of all of us trying to get out. And so when you say that lion, what does that lion represent? Strength. Are you thinking theology, like the Lion of Judah type of type of uh, type of lion, or I wasn't I wasn't going that route, but you can take okay. it there. All right, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that sheep sheep dog analogy, right? There's uh -huh. a sheep dog way down in uh, inside of all of us, right? I'm following it, yeah. But if you don't, but if we don't equip ourselves with the knowledge that we need to operate well in this world and protect our families from this very dangerous uh, environment that we live in, 
it will crush you. And then if you're not of the mindset to, 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 to be able to overcome it and know that maybe, you know, one, it was God's plan. And then two, whatever is happening is happening for a reason to make me better in order for me to go add value to others' lives. If you don't have that mindset and you've got this victim mindset or you can't ever get ahead or it's not my fault or all these restrictive thoughts, you're never going to be able to help yourself. And then two, nobody's going to want to help you anyways. I get what you're saying. Yeah. I get what you're saying. And you know, it's, it's a, it's a funny thing having served in the military for a little over 20 years for me. And I've seen, I've seen a lot of people be helped by a lot of the programs in the service. And I've seen people run into bureaucracy. I've seen both and I've, and it's happened to me too. And I heard you say, is this part of God's plan? And that's where it's kind of like, as we're living this life and we go through challenges and victories, you, you're always wondering like the, what's the purpose of this? Why is this happening? And I think everybody asks themselves that, especially when they're challenges and not so much victories because it's victories. Like, yes, that's what I wanted. You know, this, this is what this, you know, you kind of get the sensation or the, or the thought that this is actually the way it should be going. And, uh, so when we think about when our victories, sometimes I think sometimes we don't give thanks for the victories as often as we should. And, and I think with the challenges, I think with the challenges, if we take it to scripture, there's going to, there's going to be ups and downs. You become, if you, if you, you come to a place where you accept Christ for being who he is, who he says he is and loving you the way he says he loves you. I really wasn't put to me this way, but this is a way I've understood it over the course of years and even over months and just days too, is trust and absolutely trusting in, in his finished work and that he is who he says he is. And he loves me the way he says he loves me. And it's what I'm picking up from what you're saying with the Liberty Accelerator program is that you have a mission to equip military members and their families with information that will help change their mindset, that can potentially help change, if they're willing to receive it, help change their mindset. Yes. And set them off onto some paths that they didn't even know were open to them. Exactly. Many years ago, or maybe even just yesterday. Exactly. Right? I want them where I'm at in the mind space their mind space i want them where i'm at because it's going to make them more effective in the u.s military it's going to equip them with the true reason they're willing to go and die for this country right that's what we fought for that's why that's why a lot of people sign you volunteer people volunteer for this stuff right there's some countries where they're conscripts like they have to go in and serve and I'm not actually against that idea. I actually think that when people turn 18, I think they serve two years. I'm not saying saying I'm not saying in the military, but I'm saying two years of service to your state, doing something right. like AmeriCorps, like your state's version something. of AmeriCorps. Mm-hmm. You know, the the federal version of AmeriCorps. Something where you're where you're you're going to do two years, and you're gonna you're gonna help your state or your nation. And it yep. doesn't have to be in the military. It can be humanitarian because I think that there are a lot of people who would do that and say, yeah, and then there's a lot that can happen. I mean, right. you, like the, the number of years you've been in the military, you've met a lot of people and you've got a lot of outlets that happens. You know, it, it just depends on how we nurture and take care of it along the way. And that's, that's right. where I see you're saying you want to nurture it at a more personal level for families to help see that they can view their lives without blinders on now do you incorporate any any uh any theology into the liberty accelerator program or is no theology or is just the mission is comes from a uh, from comes from a 
theological foundation, but it's expressed secularly, so to speak. Yeah, I, I haven't yet, and I am not. I'm not opposed to including yeah. that probably in that self pillar. Um, yeah. And if that's something you'd be interested in exploring further beyond the call, I'd be more than happy to entertain entertain yeah. that. Possibly, right? yeah. I mean, um, gonna, I'd imagine you have a in the military. You got all people of all kinds of faiths and beliefs, right? We do. Okay, absolutely, absolutely. I just I haven't gotten that far down the down the road yet. We're, oh, that's cool. We're, yeah. we're kind of assembling this airplane as we fly it. I'd so, uh, say it's pretty amazing you accelerated <laughs> the printing of that book from Memorial Day 2022 to Veterans Day 2021. You want to yeah. say anything else about the book? Um, basically it's, it's, it's 12, 12 real chapters. First 10 chapters are the 10 lies that I've identified military families believe. And then the last two chapters are the call to action and what's next. Um, it does lead into the, the community where you come into, uh, you know, groups of like-minded, what I call Liberty fighters, um, on your path to being a liberator for others in this, in this arena. Um, we're, we're growing it now. People can get in on the ground level right now and be a part of a movement, um, and help change the world. So yeah, that's what it's all about. Now I would like to loop back though and say that, that, that no, no victory comes without a challenge. Anything worth having is worth, is worth working hard for. All right. And even paying for, right. So, um, I, I would like to be given this is veterans day week and month of the, the military family. You know, I think this idea of uh, this mindset of scarcity and of freebies and handouts uh, is dangerous to to their family, especially for service. Um, so that's uh, that's something I like people to to consider. Now, don't get me wrong; I'm going to take a discount from the corporation all day long because <laughs> uh, they're because they are milking us dry from multiple angles, but from the small mom and pops. Um, the veteran-owned businesses that are just trying to to, to, to make it, um, I don't never have and never will take discounts from those people, right? Especially while on the the salary of of Uncle Sam. Um, but we all we discuss all that stuff and more in, in the book, um, and I've got lots and lots of openly available content out there in cyberspace. But the trick is getting it when you need it, and to do that, you need a guide, and hence. The Liberty Accelerator Program services offerings, and actually structure it. You, your audience can't see it, but you can. That label that says Tapsley yeah. behind me. So Tapsley is kind of the project aspect of the Liberty Accelerator Program, right? It's a specific solution for a family, and Tapsley stands for Transition Acceleration Project Solutions. And I added on the LY recently, which means love your spouse. Right, because this is a team effort between the spouse and service member as applicable. And TAPS was already trademarked by another entity, and I was denied the trademark application. <laughs> so I couldn't so I couldn't get the TAPS hey, trademark. So I used Tapsley instead. Hey, you add that love your spouse on there, man. That goes miles, man. Yeah, yeah. And see, and and you can't see it. There's a gold circle right here that that encapsulates the l y and the s on the end of the text yeah i see it yeah i can see it yeah so so that's that's the meaning behind behind the label and the symbol and it is actually in the queue for trademark so right on. congratulations <laughs> man yeah with liberty accelerator already already a registered trademark um so yeah so now that now now the, the the challenge is getting the signal through all the noise and making sure any senior leaders that come across this and any leader leader leaders period that, that know about it don't don't, don't become the senior leader with the secret. And that's how I'm going to try to market this and have it a grassroots effort to spread the message in order to equip our military families for life fully alive in service and in preparation for far beyond with or without the family hero. Very cool, Jared. Very cool. All right. Two, two more questions, Jared. I got All an right. idea how you might answer them, but I, I don't know for sure. Shoot. And it's only because you said you're a Christian and I got an idea. Is this universe and all the life in it the result of a series of accidents? Because I know Christians who believe in evolution too. I do. I mean, there's yeah. some that believe. Yeah. And, uh, or is there an intelligent designer behind it? I'll always love this quote because I'm a science guy. I've got four degrees from higher academia in the sciences. And it goes, those who drink from the cup of science find faith at the bottom. I don't think this mass of a universe that exists around us 
just happened from from nature. I just all the things that happened just happened so that you know, we can sit here and talk spread thousands of miles apart, right? There's an there's an intelligent designer behind it. When I look up at the night sky, uh, and I and I describe it to my to my kids like this. When I look up at the night sky and see that swath of stars, uh, I don't think they're stars. I think those are those are pinholes to heaven, and that's our our small little glimpse into the afterlife, which we can look up into the night sky and and see it. Uh, so yes, I believe there is an intelligent designer. I believe that that uh, everything we know is because of because of him or her or whatever that intelligent designer, you know, is composed of. And in my Catholic experience, it's um, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Trinity. Uh, but yeah, I, I believe there's an intelligent designer and uh, it's exciting to think about. Cool, man. Cool. All right. Now, this is a question that I did not send you, but it's right in line. <laughs> You won't. It's not, about the mustache. It's, it's, it's not, about this mustache. <laughs> I saw that and I didn't. I was like, "Whoa, man! He grew that between now and the last time I saw his picture on LinkedIn, man." <laughs> it looked good. There's I a special. There's a special. There's a special something behind that too. Maybe we'll it's get November, to that right? Question. You doing that for November? No, not quite. No. What's What's the question? What's the special question? <laughs> okay, you ready? Here he goes. In the end, we're all gonna we all die, right? Everybody's Everybody's gonna die. We do. Is this life a free ride or is there a price to pay? Now, this is an interesting question because I know you're a Christian. There's no free ride. I agree. Yeah. But is there a price for like, is, let me put it this way. For you as a Christian, is there a price to pay? And why would there be a price? If there is a price. Yeah, I, I would say I do have a I do have a price to pay for, for Jesus doing what he did for us. But it's it's more about ensuring all the value I know that I can bring this world, family wise, friend wise, work associate wise. It's about ensuring that that I deliver on that. I owe it to those in my, in, in my network and those who I, even the strangers I meet on the subway station or in the grocery store to love to one give, another, to give them my best. That's right. Love one another, man. And, and I was listening to you answer that and I was like, I get what he's saying. I get what he's saying. So you talk, so it sounds like here's the thing, man. I don't think if you're, if you believe that Christ paid it all, because there's nothing we could do to pay for the sin that we were born into and the sin that we actively engage in our heart and minds every day and words and yeah. actions every day. There's no way I could pay for that. I mean, it's, it's, there's no way. And, right. and that's the cool thing. That's the cool thing that I learned about Christianity some time ago is that everybody is disqualified. But we could try. But here's the thing. It's your disqualification <laughs> that qualifies you for grace. Yes. to be loved by grace, by Jesus. Yeah. And that is the part that, that uh, you know, I've heard theologians go back and forth, pastors, you know, they say, it's like they get in these little arguments, but that is it. I, I talked with a, a guy, uh, he's a pastor, Keith Stanton, and I asked him a question about what's the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. He's like, the old covenant, I'm paraphrasing him, he's like, you trying to get right with God when you never can. It'll never work. It'll never be the way it should be because mm -hmm. it's, it's impossible for us to do it. Yeah. The new covenant is Jesus paying the price to make us right with God by way of Jesus's righteousness attributed to us for whosoever believes. So when it comes to that, I don't think there's a price to pay because that Jesus paid that price and there's nothing yeah. I can add to it. But you said what you, what you said though, made me there's cause there's some questions I'm, I'm toying with. Right. And, and what you said was along the lines of destiny is the way I understood it is you were saying, ensuring that. And what you, you gave some examples, I do X, Y, and, and, but what it really boils down to is 
what, what, like when I heard your examples, you're talking about examples that you have throughout your daily life and throughout your planned future, like the direction you want your things to go in the future. That direction is the path of love one another. You Absolutely. get what I'm saying? That's the ground that you're on. Right. So that's what I heard right there, man. And that's cool, man. And I, you know, I'm, I haven't sent this question to anybody. I kind of just been asking people oh. at the end. So, you know, <laughs> I got to run my little experiments here too, you know, see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was cool. It was very cool, Jared. So, Hey, Jared, your book, tell us the name of your book one more time. And is it digital hard copy, both in right, right now it's only paperback copy. Okay. And, and it's available it will- on Amazon. It's available on Amazon right now. It'll be published through Ingram Sparks here in a few in a, in a couple of weeks as well. Um, but it's paperback through Amazon only at this point as of November 8th, okay. 2021. Um, but the name of it is Avoiding Each and Every Military Veteran's Disadvantage. How to Overcome the Lies the Military Family Believes to Get Our Freedom Back. And I'm working on the algorithm now so that the search will bring it to the top of the Google feed, right, or the Amazon bookstore um if you can't find it navigate to any of my social media profiles and i'll have a link for it there what are those tell us what your profile linkedin is, is how, the pro- we can, how can folks find you yeah linkedin is the primary effort right now because i recognize that military families identifying as transitioning military officers or military spouses um that's 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 the first challenge right and they're on linkedin looking for jobs and then the question is, why are we looking for jobs, right? And it goes into a whole, a whole bunch of topics that I discuss in the book and my social media presence. Uh, we won't go down that rabbit hole, but LinkedIn is my primary effort right now. Okay. I've got a small, I've got a small um, presence on Facebook. I've got a small presence on Twitter, and I've got my community be, being built on Patreon. Um, so right now, that's where we're starting. You you have a website, and what's the name of the website? Yeah, it's just my first name, middle initial, last name, jaredhsmith.com. And it's J-A-R-R-O-D-H-Smith.com. That's right. Yeah. And then uh, what else? I guess that's that's all of them for right now. We're looking at TikTok and Instagram and all these other platforms as well. But right now I got my hands full with with four of them. Right on. uh, Yeah, come out, come, come see me. I will. I'll check you out for sure. All right. Commander Jared Smith, U.S. Navy active duty. What's that? Caveat. I always use the H with such a common name as Smith. It's Jared H. Smith. All right. I, that's I, I, I hashtag the H, but I know it's the military style, right? You know, hashtag you emails and all that. Yeah, like, yeah. But but in this case, the hashtag is heck yeah. So, I mean, that's okay, what the H that's is right. about. Yeah, so, the hashtag is heck yeah. That's right. It's Jared, J-A-R-R-O-D-H Smith.com. 19-year military service member, active duty, serving your nation, our nation, in the U.S. Navy. Thank you, Jared. I appreciate your time. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. My name is Miguel Torres. I'm your host, and I'm signing off for our special guest on this Veterans Day episode, Commander Jared H. Smith. See you all. Love you.